Brother Courtney Vance has been away shooting a movie in Chicago, and we missed him. It's been weeks since he's been able to be with us in service. Let's welcome him and praise God for him. We love you. And how do you like this choir today? Let's praise God for them. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Spiritual examination. Would you say that after me, please? Spiritual, Spiritual. Examination. examination. Please take your seats. Space scientists studied the in-flight performance of a spaceship with the same diligence that they formulate the pre-flight plans for that spaceship. They work just as hard to learn the path that the ship is actually following as they do to determine the path that they would like for the ship to follow. I remember one flight where they had a very carefully planned course of flight and they had programmed the spaceship to follow that course. And when the spaceship was launched, they watched its performance very, very carefully to see whether it was following the predetermined pathway. They soon discovered that it was in reality just a short distance off the desired course that they had wanted it to follow. They immediately began to consult regarding the means by which they would correct the course of that missile. After a precise instant, at a precise instant, when the ship was in a precise position, a 15-second thrust from the engine corrected the course and sent the spaceship on to its desired destination. Without an in-flight examination, it would never have reached its goal, its objective. And the earlier they examined and corrected the course, the better off they would be. And so in almost every area of human organizational behavior, evaluation and examination are constantly used to guard against disaster and serious misfortune. The doctors recommend that every person should have a physical at least once a year. This examination sometimes enables the doctor to detect and treat conditions which, if left alone, would be fatal. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to have a physical at least once a year. Y'all are wearing me out in these hospitals. Coming to see you all. And I don't mind coming to see you, 
but I hate for you to be in the hospital unnecessarily. Amen. Come on, tell two people, take care of your health, please. That's especially necessary for us because we are the sickest and most afflicted ethnic group sometimes in the United States of America. Diets sometimes are not proper and we just fight not to go and see the doctor. When we go and see him, we don't pay any attention to what he tells us. Look at your neighbor and say, get yourself together. I want you to live a long time. I'm tired of performing funerals and visiting hospitals. But you just tell three people, live, live, live. Best to examine things. Better to check the map. A map quest, a Google map. People don't have maps anymore. Maps went to Thomas. How many of y'all remember Thomas Brothers' map? No more maps, just buttons and screens and all that. But listen, I argue with that. Google map lady all the time. No, I'm not going to turn that way. That's not the right speed. I can get there quicker going this way. Usually, Google map wins the argument, though. But it's always better to check Google map rather than listening to your radio and having it turned up loud and the course map is working to guide you and direct you and sometimes you are 50 miles on the other side of where you should have turned. And you got to come back 50 miles to reach your desired course. It's good to examine the nature of one's life as you live day by day. I'm convinced that a large percentage of our young people and adults don't know where they are, don't know where they are going, and will not know when they've gotten there. Everybody needs to have worthwhile goals. Everybody needs to have worthwhile objectives. Everybody needs to have a purpose in life. And you need to have a plan whereby you intend to reach those goals and those objectives. You need to constantly examine and evaluate your progress along the way. I can't get any help in here today. If I'm right, say amen. There are so many wonderful things that a person can accomplish and can do with his life. But these things cannot be accomplished without preparation, without planning, and without hard work. Very few good things will just drop out of the sky on our heads. Somebody's just waiting on their moment to come, on somebody to discover them, on somebody to help them reach an objective, a goal. But I want every young person not to act like he is old and fossilized. I, I know that you don't want to be considered a, a person that, that's old and you want to have your fun while you're young, but you need to be aware of the demands that life is going to make on you and prepare to meet those demands. Many young people who feel that they are together today will be on skid row tomorrow. One of the things I made it a point to do, I
put the boys in the car, Brother Charles and Brother Lawrence, when they were young fellows, teenagers, and in their pre-teenage years. I drove them down in the middle of Skid Row and drove up and down the street Say, hey, fellas, you don't want to end up in a predicament like this. You see these individuals, they are victims of lack of planning, lack of goals, lack of objectives, sometimes lack of God. And I want you fellas to make it, so you've got to get your education and prepare for what you're going to be confronted by. I believe that had an impact on their minds, and I got two pretty good fellas in my life, and I thank God for them. You remember when I took you down on Skid Row, man? Many young people who feel they have it together, I said, it will be on Skid Row tomorrow. Not because their hair, hairstyle is bad, they've got a good hairstyle. Not because their clothes are not up to date, they're dressed in Vogue, Esquire, and all of that. They can really communicate to really jive the teacher and fool their parents. But what they are striving for will be of no use to them unless they are prepared and ready to walk that road and accomplish that goal. Young people begin examination now so you won't have so many regrets later on. And now let me say this, let me say this. If marriage partners would occasionally examine their relationship, they might know how to make the adjustments that would save their marriage. How many of you know there are some marriages that need an adjustment? If your husband's not around and not near, your wife is not near, tell your neighbor, some marriages need adjustment. If parents could examine and study the behavior of their children, they might see and deal with traits and characteristics which might later on lead to disaster. But of all the areas of life where examination is needed, there's one kind of examination which I feel is most desperately needed. That is spiritual examination. Y'all gonna pray for me today. Spiritual examination is needed because if one's relationship with God is not right, then nothing can be right. Spiritual examination is needed because we are spiritually sick and we need a way out. If spiritual problems could be examined and rectified, then God's favor and God's communication could be restored. Spiritual examination is needed because one day all men will stand before God and the secrets of all their hearts will be disclosed. And what God finds in their lives and in their hearts will determine whether they go to heaven or whether they go to hell. It'll be too late to try to change then. The time for examination and the time for change is right now. Come on, tell your neighbor the time for examination. Time for change is right now. You can know how you stand in terms of your eternity now. You don't have to live in doubt. You don't have to live in fear regarding your 
eternal destiny. Spiritual examination is needed because there are shortcomings in so many lives which can only hurt those lives and hinder the work of the Lord. There's so much that needs to be done, but somehow much of it is not being done. Something is wrong. We need an examination. We need it because God has done so much for us. There anybody in here who does not want to let God down. You want to make God pleased that he chose to bless you, chose to lift you, chose to use you. Come on, clap your hands if you're glad the Lord picked you out. <clears throat> we ought to want to give God our best, and we ought to want to reach our highest potential for our God. It's time for examination. In our text for today, Psalm 139, verse 23, we find King David presenting himself before God for a spiritual examination. He did not just proceed assuming everything was all right, like some people are assuming that everything is all right, but if you've got an ache, if you've got a pain, if you've got a, a growth, if you've got a shortness of breath, a loss of appetite, you ought to check it out and find out why this is happening in your body. And David said, listen, I'm going to go to God and find out how God assesses my condition and my health. And it's very interesting that David begins this psalm by saying, O oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know my downsitting, you know my uprising. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, thou knoweth it altogether. And then David said, Whither shall I flee from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost part of the sea, even then your hand will lead me and your right hand will uphold me. David knew that God could see clear through him. Not only could God see him, God could see through him. And David found out that there was no place where he could elude the penetrating stare of God. In verse 19, David speaks of the death and destruction which awaited the wicked. He talked about much of the despair and anxiety that men felt we realize that much of the despair and anxiety that men feel is a result of their guilt. They are anxious, they're worried because they feel guilty. They know their lives are sinful. They know that God knows all about them. Everywhere they go and in everything that they do, they know the eyes of the Lord upon them. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. They know that God is judging and punishing them now and that God will do so in the future. No wonder people are losing their minds. They're in the hands of God. God is keeping them alive, but they're not obeying the will of God. They're not living according to God's plan for their lives. They're doing everything, going everywhere, but they are still miserable because they know they're wrong, and God knows they're wrong. I'm amazed by the epidemic 
of suicides that are taking place in our nation, in our state, in our city. Young people who have everything to live for and who have years of life ahead are blowing their brains out, ending their lives because they can't tolerate life on the earth any longer. I have a little comic strip where I have a little chicken, a little chick that hatched out of the egg, lifted his head up out of the egg and looked at the world and then saw all the evil, all the pain, all the misery, all the confusion that exists in the world and put his head back down in the egg and pulled the egg together. And said, I don't want to live in a world like this. And there are so many people who are doing everything, going everywhere, but they are still miserable. They're still hurting. They're still pessimistic about life. How much easier it would be to let God deliver them from their sins. What peace they could find at the cross of Jesus Christ. They're fighting, they're struggling, they're reaching, they're striving. But listen, stop fighting, stop struggling, stop striving, turn it over to Jesus. My mother used to say, when you turn it over to Jesus, you can smile the rest of the day. Jesus said to Nicodemus, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And law enforcement officials tell us that those who are hiding something are usually very easy to detect because they argue most about being searched, unlawful search. Why are you searched? Listen, if you don't have anything to hide, you don't mind being searched. Hallelujah. And David came to God and said, Lord, I don't have anything to hide. Search me, O Lord and know my heart. Many people don't want to be searched because they don't want their sins revealed. And even though their sins are destroying them, they would rather have sin than have salvation. My brother, my sister, if you are striving to live a life of wickedness and sin, if you've not allowed God to take sin and pain and condemnation out of your life, if you've not given your life to Jesus, you're making a dreadful mistake. I never knew joy before till I met the Lord. I never knew peace. I never knew what the Lord can do in my life until I met Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here who's glad that they know Jesus Christ? She shall bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I said many people don't want to be searched because they don't want their sins revealed. And even though their sins are destroying them, they'd rather have sin than to have salvation. And so David was aware of this. He was convinced of his need for God in his life. He was living such a precarious life, fighting so many battles, confronting so many enemies that David decided, Lord, I can't go through this by myself. I need you in my life. And I just pray that somebody here in the house of God would say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I need Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life. 
If you're glad that you know Jesus, clap your hands and praise God. And so David comes to God for a spiritual examination. He comes to God that he might really know his condition and do something about his condition. And David did not entrust the task to himself, nor did he entrust it to other men or women who were around him. He remember how God had sent Samuel to his father Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons as king of Israel. Jesse had never even considered David as being one of any potential. But David was the one that God had chosen. Everybody was so surprised that David had been chosen. Everybody was so amazed. Why did he choose David? But Samuel explained it by saying that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Child of God's people, may look at your potential. They may look at what your resources are and try to assess what your chances are for victory. But if you've got a clean heart, you can say, Lord, you know my heart. And God, you know my mind. And if God knows your heart and your mind, don't make any difference what people say about you or even what they think about you, what God thinks about you. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. If you're glad about it, clap your hands. And so David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. This is where the examination has got to start. It starts with the heart. It starts with the inner man. Matthew 15 and 19 says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And Jesus went on to say, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I just want you to know that God is concerned about your heart. Tell your neighbor, God is concerned about your heart. In Deuteronomy 5 and 29, the Bible says, Oh, that there was such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children. Listen, if you have a heart after God's will and God's glory, if you would seek God and the plan of God for your life, it will be well with you and with your children. God assures us, I want to bless you, but you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. If you're not serving God like you should, it's time for examination. You're not living a holy life. It's time for examination. You're not fully surrendered to God. It's time for examination. If something is wrong with your heart, it's time for examination. Too many people feel that they made a start with God, but they've not even began to really live for God. 
and do the will and the plan of God in their lives. When God really has your heart, there's nothing that you will do against God and nothing that you will not do for God. And so David said, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Some people don't want to be tried. They don't want those heartbreaking experiences. They don't want those scary temptations. But you're being tried every day when you meet a stranger and talk about everything but Jesus. You're being tried when you have time and energy for everything else, but no time for the work of God. You're being tried when you fail to love your brother and your sister. You're being tried when you come to the house of God and you won't even raise your hand to give glory and praise unto Almighty God. You're being tried. You've got to be tested. If you're not tested, you will not know. The devil will not know. And God will not judge how much you really love him. And so David said, try me and know my thoughts. The thoughts that the devil brings to your mind are not your thoughts until you accept them and allow your mind to dwell on them and take joy in them. But David said, Lord, try me and know my thoughts. If pride is in my heart, if hatred is in my heart, if lust is in my heart, if envy is in my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me. Old folk used to sing, search me, turn the light from heaven on my soul. If you find anything that should not be, take it out and straighten me. I want to be right. I want to be saved. I want to be whole. Would you raise your hand and say, search me. Search me, Lord. Turn the light from heaven on my soul. Hallelujah. 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 I've got to stop. But listen, if we go to the restaurant and pick up a utensil, a fork, or a knife, there's food on the fork of the knife. We call the waiter and say, take this back. Somebody else besides me has been using this and it has not been properly cleaned. I will not use it. If we go to the cleaners and get our suit out and there's still a spot on the suit, we'll leave it there with them and say, listen, take care of this spot on the suit. If we will not use a dish or a plate or a fork or a suit or clothing that's not clean, then why should we want God to accept us when we are dirty and not righteous and clean? God will wash us. God will cleanse us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When God saves the person, he forgives that person, and he cleanses that person. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, shall cleanse us from all sin. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says, You are washed. Tell your neighbor, you are washed. You are sanctified. 
you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So almost every page of the Bible condemns sin and demands holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Paul said, having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the sight of God. Verse 9 of 1 John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm so glad that when the Lord comes into our lives, he washes us and cleanses us. Try me and see if there's some wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lift your hand and say, Lord, I want you to lead me. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Won't the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, don't let me go my way. Don't let me follow my mind. I want to follow you. Raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to do your will. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thine will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. Lord, lead us. Guide us. Direct us. Our answer will be yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your command. Yes to your plan. I want to follow you. I want to bring glory to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. Glory. Glory. Lift your hand and say, my soul says yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. If you get in the center of God's will, God will bring his blessing to your yes. And you'll go higher than you've ever gone before. But if you get out of your place, someone else may get your miracle. I don't know how you feel about it, but I want what's mine. I want my blessing. I want my miracle. I'm not going to move from the place of yes. Somebody say yes. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart and the depth of my soul, my soul says yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
I guarantee you, hallelujah, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, child of God. If God sees the right thing in your heart and you get in the right place, blessings will come your way, miracles will follow you and overtake you. Hallelujah. It's all in your yes. Tell two people it's all in your yes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Tell your neighbor my blessing is on the way. Tell him again, my blessing is in my yes, yes. Everybody stand, please. Jesus tells the story of a young man who went to his father and said, Dad, I'm going to leave. Your rules are too much for me. I'm tired of being told what to do. Give me what's mine. I'm on my inheritance now. He took the inheritance and went his way and wasted and squandered what he had in prodigal living. Pretty soon his money ran out. He found himself in deep distress. Went to try to get help from first one person and then another, but nobody would help him. His buddies that he'd been running with, the women that he had known, nobody would give him anything. He tried to find a job. The only job he could find was feeding pigs. And a Jew doesn't like to have anything to do with a pig. But he had lost his self-esteem to the degree that he not only was feeding them, he was ready to not only eat them, but eat the slop, the garbage that the pigs had been eating until the Bible says he came to himself. But when he came to himself, he said, even the servants in my father's house have bread enough to spare. What is this coming to himself? When he saw how wrong he had been, when he saw what sin had done to his life, when he saw what he had really become in his disobedience to his father and to the word of God. But when he came to himself, he said, listen, even my father's employees live better than I'm living. I'm dying out here from hunger. I'm going to get up. I hope somebody will decide they're going to get up today. Go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
He went on back in the direction of home. He was a long way from home because the Bible says while he was a great way off. And if he was a great way off, that means he might not have even made it home. I perish with hunger, that's what he said. I'm weak from hunger. And if he was a great way off, he might well have died in the distance, unable to make it home. But his father was looking for him. I said his father was looking for him. I just want you to know you're not lost. God is looking for you. God has found you. God is reaching out to you today. And when his father saw him in the distance, his father ran to him, embraced him, and carried him back home. He gave his little speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Father said, no, I want everybody to rejoice. This is my son. He's come home. You can always come home. Come on, tell somebody, you can always come home. You know what that means to me? It means that God is the God of the second chance. You tell your neighbor, God is the God of the second chance. Anybody know he's God of the second chance? What about the third chance? What about the fourth chance? What about the fifth chance? God will reach out to you. Your life can be changed. Your life can be blessed. Hallelujah. This is your day. God is God of the second chance. But then also, I want to say this. If you can't get to Jesus, Jesus can get to you. Come on, will you tell two people, if you can't get to Jesus, Jesus can get to you. The young man might have faltered. He might never have made it home. His father did not wait for him to get home. His father ran to him and carried him home. God has run to you today. This is your day, your day of victory, your day of salvation, your day of forgiveness, your day of mercy. Come on, let's give praise unto the Lord. Clap your hands and praise him. Clap your hands and give glory. Give glory, give glory. I pray that someone having heard the word that I've shared with you today will decide, Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, I'm saying yes. I don't want to play with this any longer. I don't want to seem to be going through the motions. I, I really want to know you. I really want to live for you. I really want my sins forgiven. I really want the power of God to be at work in my life. If you've got unforgiven sin in your life, if you realize you need to repent, you need Jesus Christ to become your Lord, you want to be close to God, and you want God to help you to do those things that will please him. If you want to be forgiven, and want to know the mercy of God, I want to pray for you. Every prayer you answer, you pray sincerely, God will answer, and God will impact your life as never before. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed. 
If you would say, preacher, pray for me. I want to say yes to God. I want God to take charge of my life. Bless me so that I can bless my family, my children, my neighbors, my fellow members, people of the Lord. Bless me so I'll be a blessing to your work. Give me strength to say yes and strength to become the person that you would have me to be. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, you would say, Lord, forgive me and draw me to thyself. I want to be the person you'd have me to be. If that's you, and if that's your prayer, I just want you to lift your hand while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You would say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Lift that hand up high. I'll pray for you where you stand. Right where you are, you can have the forgiveness of God. The mercy of God can be extended. Your life will never be the same. I see those hands. I see them lifted. Dear Lord, I pray for every person in the house today who would say, I need prayer. I need God. I want to be saved. I want to follow him. I want to live for him. Lord, forgive me and try me again. Is my prayer, Lord. I want to bring glory to your name. Everybody repeat this prayer after me, please. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I am saved. Come on, give God praise and thank the Lord. Come on, give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, 